Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. So whoever this is, this Harker, he has another contact, uh, a journalist. Her name is Olivia Leo. She's based out of London, uh, but she works for the New York Times. But at this point, she's on the run. Harker, Harker, Harker. Right, right. Dracula, god damn it. I mean, I'd like to acquire a firearm, if I, if I could, in the spirit of what happened last time. I think if if we're going to find out what's going on here, we have we have no other recourse. We we have to get in contact with this this Harker. She's fled to Marrakesh to try to escape whoever's whoever's after her, and our employer wants your help in getting her out. So maybe someone goes ahead or two people go ahead and someone takes a slow route with a bunch of equipment. Everyone, this is my very good friend Polino, and Polino is having his first baby, and he is treating everyone to drinks. Everyone, everyone, get your drinks and applaud for Polino. If she's trying to hide, she is probably staying in one of the tourist areas. I am going to, as casually and nonchalantly as possible, make my way over to the Riyadh Rouge. And you know immediately that they are uh, local hired goons that are clearly watching the front door. And there's a third motorcycle sitting next to theirs that's sitting empty. Washington, D.C., May 8th, 2009. Tom Ridgefield drove down the streets of Washington, D.C., smoking a cigarette. A bit of the ash from the top dropped off and burned a small hole in his button-down shirt, but he paid it no mind. It wasn't the first burn hole in the shirt, and it wouldn't be the last. He parked his beat-up green Honda Civic in front of Washington National Cathedral, clearly illegally, and got out. He walked up the steps to the cathedral, tossing his cigarette on the cement and not bothering to stomp it out, and made his way through the iron front doors of the large church. There were a few people sitting in the church and praying, and a few more taking photos. Tom or Prince, as some called him, though neither was his given name, instinctively kept to the shadows of the cathedral, moving along behind the back row of pews and up the side row, walking directly toward the confessionals. When he reached the confessional he was looking for, he didn't even bother to check to see if anyone was inside. He knew this was an unscheduled confession, and that the person he needed to talk to would be waiting inside. Tom knelt behind the screen that separated confessors from the priest. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 1,897 days since my last confession. After a longer pause than Tom thought necessary, Christ, he knows it's me. Why is he hesitating so much? Another voice answered, Tell me your sins, my son. Tom was done with the charade. Cut the shit, father. You know why I'm here. That journalist for the New York Times, Olivia Leo, she's heading to Romania. Someone leaked documents that hint at what's going on up at the dig site. She'll be there within the day. Someone needs to tell Galbraith, and you know my people can't be the ones to do it. Tom was speaking faster than he normally would, and if the priest was as good at reading people as Tom himself was, he'd know just how nervous this whole thing made Tom. It was one thing to deal with criminals, politicians, other agents. He knew how to deal with them. But this was something different, and it made Tom nervous. When the priest didn't respond for a moment, Tom spoke up again. Father, don't make me repeat myself. She's on her way there now. Finally, the priest responded. His will be done. Tom shook his head as he stood up, muttering under his breath. He had little time for these religious types, but in this case, they were on the same side. As Tom opened the door to leave, he turned back to the priest. His will be done all right, just as long as you know the hymn we're talking about. I get to create role-playing game characters, which is honestly not very often because I'm almost always the person that is GMing. But when I get to create them, I, I usually kind of, I lean toward something that is very different than myself. 
Um, and so, you know, I have this idea for a Delta Green character who was he, he became a Navy SEAL really young and then left the left the you know, left the military. And so he's like in his early 30s, but he's like he was a Navy SEAL for like 15 years. And now he's he's actually based on a, a yoga teacher that I had at a studio in, in Jersey City. But he's this like <laughs> early 30s, like thinks that he has found enlightenment uh, yoga instructor. But he's really like this deadly killer also, which is like a very, very different than me. Um, but then when I when I think about the small details about the character, I almost always pull things from my own life. Like, you know, he doesn't eat breakfast, but has to have coffee in the morning. Right. Which is, you know, that that is me. And so I think my 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 first question for all of you is, are there things about the character that you created for for this game that are nothing like yourself? And or are there things about the character that you created that um, that you pulled from your own life? Well, I mean, all my siblings are alive, so that's a difference uh, between me and the character. I would say one of the big ones. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so uh, yeah, the, like Gavin is is different than me in in many ways. Uh, in terms of he is also uh, not unlike the character that you just mentioned for yourself. He's someone who went into a sort of a professional, this sort of professional world into like the agency. In his case, MI six actually very young he sort of like aimed for it trained for it went in went into it young eventually came out of it um and started work doing mercenary work um and so both from a kind of perspective of his that that sort of like sp specific kind of drive and um also i think just um kind of how he turned out after that and sort of the way he got obsessed with the conspiracy theory things and all of that stuff, that's all fairly different than me as a person. But all of it, with any character really, and not to, not to get too broad with it, since your question was more about specifics, but like, all characters are through, no matter how different they are, they always, if you're playing them, they're always through the filter of you, right? So it always, there's always ends up being things that you you kind of relate to with the character or you know whether it's specific things or just sort of the way the character responds to things carries themselves in certain situations that are actually are like more like you than than anything else so i don't know i feel like i, I almost feel like we haven't gotten deep enough for re me to really know all of the ways in which gab would be similar to me other than that i i do picture him wearing like pattern button downs which i do sometimes <laughs> that's, that's about it you have occasionally worn a pattern button down as says yeah, gavin yeah. well it's one of those where i wear ones that people are like oh that's interesting because i'll wear like here's an, a button down that has octopuses on it and it's oh, it's yeah. not like loud loud but it's it's one of those things where it's like oh that's an, that's a fun like pattern button down i imagine he wears similar things only when he's in only when he's going undercover in the most touristy areas though Exactly. I, he's wearing one of those right now. I can tell you he is absolutely wearing a, like a colorful pattern button down right now. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Chris, Katie? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm certainly not a uh, Italian explosives expert, but... Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it turns out this whole time, you know... Yeah, and Tommy's and Tommy's not into conspiracy theory. Sure, sure. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it depends for me. It's it's a like a mixed bag. Like you know, there are definitely interests there that I try to bring in just for fun, for for characters. I you know I certainly don't wear a puffy jacket and a scarf inside at all times. Um, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, for the record, Chris is not wearing a puffy jacket right at this moment. No, no. I'm, actually, I should have gotten into character more. I don't know what I was thinking. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, like Fabio's fringe left-wing politics um, are just there's a dash of that. Um, <laughs> little things like that I like to kind of throw in there. It's actually, he's uh, so he's like an arson investigator with a background in um, explosives and and such things but that's actually a difference for me like when i was a little kid i was like really afraid of fire and, and that sort of thing so try to flip that on its head but yeah you know just just a mixed bag the fringe the fringe left-wing politics i was actually thinking about this about my other the, when i was thinking about this question for myself i was like i don't think that i would ever play like a reagan conservative 
Like that just seems that just seems like unlikely that I would, that I would go down that route. Yeah, some things are a bridge too far. You can't you just can't do it. What do you think, Katie? Uh, well, this was my first time creating a character, and so I did a bit of research beforehand on how to create a character. And it gave, I read this article, and it gave advice to either pick someone who is just like you or exact opposite of you. And I think when I was creating Teddy, I chose a starting point where she and I have similar backgrounds. Like, we both work in healthcare. Uh, Teddy's a doctor. I'm a nurse. Uh, but and then I think she kind of, like, steered away from anything that any sort of type of personality that I am. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of differences between Teddy and I. I imagine her very well dressed. She's very clean, neat. I think I like exist in scrubs and sweats all the time. <laughs> um, but she's, yeah, just very organized. I don't know if anyone's ever described me as organized, but I'm trying to think of what else. We're, yeah, we're pretty different. Although we have some similar, like similarities. I think she enjoys the cold weather sports. I do as well. So there's some similar interests, but I think she and I are pretty different all over, overall. And this is how Katie tries to hide the fact that she is a cold-blooded assassin in real life also. So you noticed she, she didn't name that as a difference. So I don't know. I don't know what that tells you. But yeah, I, I just I find it so interesting because, you know, I feel like no matter how much background you create with a character, there are always going to be moments where you have to kind of make a split second decision about like, what does my character think about this? Or like, how do they react? Or, you know, how do I bring in some sort of kind of background element into this moment? And I feel like for me in those moments, it's always like, okay, so what would I, what would I do here? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious to see how those, how those things uh, come up as we continue playing. Um, So as we, as we pick back up, our characters are, are kind of on their way from Seville, Spain to Marrakesh, Morocco. Uh, and they have been tasked by a, 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 a secretive contact who goes only by Harker to kind of extract another contact of Harker's, um, a woman, uh, a journalist named Olivia Leo, um, who is on the run from someone. And so they are, they are kind of heading into Marrakesh, which is where she is, to try to find, and get, find her and get her out before, um, before whoever's after her can do the same thing. And so, uh, Teddy, Doctor Teddy, um, and and Fabio have chosen to take the long route, uh, and so they they took a a very nice yacht across the water, sailed by uh, a, a sailor named Nikos Triandafilidos. I'll tell you more about where that name came from later on. Um, uh, and so they they have now rented a car and are driving from Casablanca to Marrakesh and are on their way. Um, meanwhile, Gavin took a flight from Seville to Marrakesh uh, to try to scout things out um, himself a little bit earlier and, you know, has started to try to identify where Olivia Leo is and got some information from a from a local vendor, uh, a local Australian exotic fruit vendor um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, someone fitting uh, Olivia's description was staying at a hostel called the Riyadh Rouge. And as Gavin uh, kind of started to stake out the Riyadh Rouge, he just noticed that there are two young Moroccans sitting on motorcycles across the street from the main entrance. Um, And it's obvious to someone with the skills and the experience that Gavin has that they are local hired goons that are clearly watching the front door of this hostel. And that there is a third motorcycle sitting next to theirs that is empty. So we're going to start there. And so, Gavin, I'm wondering kind of as you see this, What's going through your head? When Gavin sees this, specifically, he sees the first two sitting on their motorcycle and he thinks, shit. And then he sees the empty third motorcycle and he thinks, shit. Um, (laughs) So I I think what Gavin is going to do immediately is he pulls out a phone and he is going to text his two associates. He's going to text both Fabio and Teddy. And just say goons and slip the phone back into his pocket. Um, he then will take out a camera that he has that is done up to look like a big chunky touristy camera and just start like snapping some photos. And he wants to get a photo, if he can, of the 
the goons on the motorcycles without them noticing, hopefully. Um, including, like, if there's, like, little license plates or something on the motorcycles, as well as the front of the building, some of that sort of stuff. Great. And so, um, so Teddy and Fabio, you get this text that says goons from Gavin. You think you're about 30 minutes outside of, um, outside of Marrakesh at this point. And so, you know, you continue along the way. Gavin, uh, if you, if you would like to, I'm going to offer you a, as you're kind of snapping pictures, um, around mm-hmm. the area, I'm going to offer you a, an extra clue if you'd like it with a one point notice spend notice okay let me look at yeah okay i I only have one point but you know what i will i will take it i will spend one point all right so you're kind of snapping uh pictures you get you get some photos of the of the two young moroccans that are on the motorcycles and their license plates and you're kind of looking around through the lens of your camera and across the street sitting at a cafe um, across the street that conveniently has an excellent view of the front door of the Riyadh Rouge is um, a man. He is um, he's white and untanned. Um, looks like he hasn't spent a lot of time out in the sun, which suggests that he probably has not been in Marrakesh very long. He's also wearing heavy clothing. You would you almost might describe it as kind of old timey. You know, it's kind of a, a like a thick woolen sport coat which is clearly out of place here in Marrakesh. And, you know, because of your experience, you notice this, though others might not. He is clearly wearing an earpiece. Okay. All right. He does not seem to have spotted you. Um, you know, you're doing a good job kind of staying covert with your with your photography. You you may or may not be wearing a, a, a button-up shirt with octopuses on it. So you, you definitely look like a tourist. <laughs> okay. I, uh... Where, so where are these two, the two good, like kind of young Moroccan men, um, set up like with their motorcycles? Like, it just, is it just kind of across the street, leaned up against a wall type of a thing, or? Yeah, they're they're kind of in a in a in a kind of inconspicuous place, you know, maybe maybe on the same stri- side of the street as the main entrance to the Riyadh Rouge, but you know, they're 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 doing a reasonably good job of acting nonchalant to someone who isn't you mm-hmm. and the the guy is the, the cafe is on the other side of the street a little bit down the road so he's got a good view of the front door but he you know he's not like close and he he's doing a much better job of not um not being so obvious with the fact that he's kind of watching things okay hmm so would it be possible for is there any chance i could disguise myself as a moroccan police officer uh, it would pro- I mean, you you couldn't do it quickly, mm. but you know, maybe over the course of of an hour or so, you might be able to lean on your contact, try to get something that is you know like a reasonable facsimile of a uh, of a Moroccan police officer's uniform. You could try, you know, it, it would potentially be harder, but you could you could theoretically like try to play yourself off as like a a plain clothes Moroccan detective, you know, kind of easier. But it's probably that's a harder that's probably a harder lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I am going to go for I'm going to go for the harder lie. I'm going to attempt to pass myself off as a plainclothes Moroccan detective, and I am going to go kind of down the street, and I'm going to be clearing people off of the street, uh, just saying like, "Come on, no." We're trying to trying to make like basically I'm trying to enforce um, that we want a comfortable place for our tourists to be able to stay. We don't want a lot of like rabble on the street, etc. Clear, can, you know, any anyone who's like loitering around or anything like that, potentially making you comfortable, clear them off. Just kind of acting as this like Moroccan police enforcer to to keep keep you know tourism going, trying to make make sure that anyone coming into the city isn't uncomfortable. Yeah, th- that makes sense to me. And so I'm wondering, t- t- you know, there are probably a couple different approaches here, and and you can you can uh, kind of combine your spends in different ways. Mm-hmm. That feels that feels like cop talk a little bit to me to kind of you know make yourself really thinking. sound sound yep. like a like a police officer, potentially also intimidation to a degree. And I'm I'm actually going to say this is a two point spend. So you know, kind of either in in combination or. If you if if that's available to you, 
I only have one point in cop talk, and I have no intimidation. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm not an intimidating figure. <laughs> <laughs> in my colorful shirt. <laughs> yeah, so so go ahead and spend the one in cop talk. Okay. And so I think I think what happens is, you know, there are definitely some of the people, and, you know, you probably haven't interacted at all yet with the two people you're targeting in particular, but there are mm. definitely some people who believe you and, you know, kind of move along. But there are definitely some people, um, you know, people who are probably more familiar with the area, you know, they are, you know, they've been around for longer, that kind of just look at you and, and are like, they, they don't believe you, you know, they don't, they don't believe you or they don't care, um, and kind of continue to go about their business. Okay. <clears throat> Would I know if the Moroccan police are typically armed? That's an excellent question. Let's go with yes. Okay. As I am moving through, moving through and kind of waving people off, you know, for people who are not, uh, you know, not interested in moving, I will either uh, flash my gun at them and just indicate like, you know, this is real, like, <laughs> clear the street, please. Or if there's anyone who is particularly sort of stubborn, I may pull out a little bit of a little bit of money and just be like, can we move it along? Like, let's go. Yeah, so I, I think you're able to, like, reasonably well, um, you know, clear the street of people who are not the two guys who are, that you're kind of clearly targeting. And as you're doing this, um, you feel your phone buzz in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. I'll check it. Yeah, it's, it's a text from Valentine. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, he's, he's been doing some, he's been looking into some things for you. And he tells you that... There has been a little bit of, of, of chatter that he's heard of um, looking for some people to uh, to be recruited to do some some kind of, you know, some 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 observational work. And the the two people that have been that have been noticed looking around for help. One is clearly a British man. Mm-hmm. And one is a guy who um, it sounds like just came in from Gibraltar. Um, which is kind of nearby. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's on the the southern tip of Spain, and both of them just arrived this morning and started recruiting help this morning. You know, not not they didn't contact any particular local gang or anything like that. They were just kind of asking around for some for some freelance help, um, and it seemed like they were kind of okay. waving around quite a bit of money. Okay, text Valentine. The British guy isn't me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> Okay, so I, I guess we'll, I, I'm going to go up to the two that are on the motorcycles and, and just kind of do what I have been doing, which is say, you know, trying to clear the street, you know, move along, move along, go, go get to where you're going. If you're heading home, you know, if you're going to a bar, shopping, whatever you're doing, please move along. Um, so you see that um, that one of them, they, they kind of like, they kind of look at you. One of them seems to kind of tilt his head back like he's listening to something, and you see an earpiece in his ear, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very subtle, uh, but you can tell that he's kind of... Somebody is saying something to him, and uh, and he he looks at you and says, I don't know who you are, but fuck off. So I'll sigh. We'll open, like, kind of flash the gun at him. Say, I'm, I'm serious now. Everyone clear off. Let's go. Um, and the, the, that same one that, that had spoken to you also kind of, like, opens up his, like, shirt a little bit. And you see kind of a a, a long switchblade, um, or what you think would be long. You know, it's a switchblade, mm-hmm. it's closed, but but he's like, I think I could get to you faster than you can get to that gun. I'd move along if I were you. Um, I will say, I, I will uh, kind of, at this point back off and I play it up a little bit how like intimidated I am by this just be like well the Marrakesh constables will hear about this and just like <laughs> in a, in, just in a huff like walk off and I'm going to text uh, text Fabio and, and Teddy and just let them know sort of what's happened that we've got at least two people um, who are watching from kind of from the street. There's someone else who is seems to be maybe leading, like the, who is sitting nearby at a cafe, who seems to be sort of heading this up. And that I 
just kind of tried a bluff to to get them to clear off and was not able to to do so. Yeah, so you you two receive this text as you're as you're getting very close into the kind of main center of Old Town in Marrakesh. And so, you know, we I think we can we can kind of say that over the next few minutes Teddy and Fabio park your car and uh, you know, make your way and meet up with Gavin. And so the three of you are now kind of together in the uh, in this in this uh, tourist area around the market square. Hello, Gavin. How are you? Ah, very good. How was your uh, boat ride? Uh, miserable for me, but <laughs> some of us enjoyed it. Lovely for me. <laughs> it was a beautiful looking yacht based on the pictures. So we have a problem, obviously. What's going on here? We know that our extraction target is staying at this particular hotel, but we have two locals who appear to be under the employ of someone else watching the place and refusing to clear off, and uh, at least one person who is seated over at the cafe. They all seem to have earpieces, so they're in communication. Okay. Do we know that Olivia is in her residence? I don't think we know if she's in there yet, if she's currently in there or not. They're probably... Obviously, they're watching the entrance, so I don't know if we're, we're waiting to see if she comes out or if she's going to come back from somewhere and they may follow her in. Who knows? Now, I wonder, Teddy and I look kind of like we're just tourists, so should we get a room? Should we, like, go into the hotel, get a room, and just pretend like we're you know, on vacation and scope the place out a little bit? I think I mean, it's I worth think a shot, a yeah. Good idea, yeah. I will, uh,. Stay on the outside and continue up observing both <laughs> our our targets on the outside here. All right, so um, so Teddy and Fabio, you um, you head into the Riyadh Rouge. When you get inside, you know the 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 Rouge part of the uh, of the name of this place is really is really living up to its billing. Um, the the walls <laughs> are in, are all painted that same pale red color inside, and you know really inside in this case you're kind of walking through the main entrance, but the the area where the front desk is, and there's you know some tables and chairs around as well. It's it's open air, right? Because it's it's a it's a building built around a courtyard, and there are you know intricate mosaics and artwork and shelves with pottery and candles all over the walls. Like every inch of the walls are are covered with some sort of artwork or pottery or something like that. And there's still sunlight still uh, streaming in through the open roof of the courtyard. Not really a lot of people in here, you know. Maybe maybe a couple people sitting at tables, um, you know, drinking a drinking a a cup of tea or you know playing a game of backgammon or something like that. And then there's a um, there's a clerk uh, behind the desk, you know, kind of youngish Moroccan guy. Also looks very bored. Hmm. Okay, so is the plan that we're gonna check into the hotel, or are we just scoping? We might as well. I mean, we I think we had the money, so we could just pretend to get. <laughs> so I guess we walk up. Oh, I was just going to say we walk up to the clerk and ask for a room. Sure. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we can we can do that for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you want a um, do you want a private room? Uh, what are you looking for? Just a couple of beds. You you want a room to yourselves? What what do you prefer? We've, we've got both available. Do we think that if we got like just beds in the main hostel room, we would actually see the journalist somewhere or no? It's possible. I mean, if, if she's staying, if she's staying in kind of the more the more main hostel area, it's possible. But she could also have gotten a private room. Is uh, is the guy under the impression that we're like, you know, we came in together, etc.? Yeah, he seems to be. Okay, so if we did one of each, that's yeah, not that's what you... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, raise some red flags. <laughs> Real weird. <laughs> I feel as if the private room would be the move anyway, because then at least if we yeah. have to discuss anything, we can just do it. Not out in the open. Yeah, let's do that. He says, "Yep, yep, no, that's no problem." Uh, and he he like kind of like lazily walks back um, to kind of a, a desk behind him and and grabs what looks like a registry and kind of opens it up and says, "Can I see your passports, please? Um, I got to take down your information." Any any hesitation to giving over your passports? Yeah, or do you, I was like, oh you god, wanna... <laughs> am I going to do this? So as, as like seasoned operatives, are we carrying like fake identity information and all sorts of that stuff? Or would I just be like, hey, Fabio Scamacca, how's it going? <laughs> well, I mean, so, yeah, so you you can each spend one point of cover if you want to uh, to pull out a cover identity that you, uh, you know, a, an alternate passport that you have. Uh, I think I will do that. <laughs> Yeah, that that makes sense to me. <laughs> All right, so the so these are uh, 
you got, you got any you got any uh, good fake agent names off the top of your head? <laughs> oh boy! No, um, I'll be uh, Bart Johnson. He's <laughs> <laughs> from Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> and you have a re- you have a really good American accent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's hey, one of Fabio's languages is English. <laughs> Parentheses American. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Coming up with a name on the spot. This is not my forte. <laughs> forte. Something forte. <laughs> Joanne Forte. Duh, it's Susan Forte. Perfect. Perfect. That's great. That's great. Right. Bart Johnson and Susan Forte. You can say they they sound ridiculous, but like. Wait until Susan Forte and Bart Johnson get in touch with the podcast. Be like, are you making fun of our names? Yeah, sorry to all the Bart Johnsons out there. It would be really impressive if the two of you had cover identities that shared the same last name. So I think I think this is pretty, I think this is about as good as you can expect. Um, so yeah, so he starts taking down your information um, and you both kind of see as he's um, taking down your information that that there is that there is an Olivia Leo listed in the registry, um, and you actually take note of her um, of her room number as well. Excellent. Wait, Eric, do we know what she looks like? Yeah, you've seen photographs of her. She's a you know she's kind of early thirties Chinese American woman. Um, she has bangs and like kind of mid length pony t- uh, mid length hair and a ponytail that you've in the photos that you've seen of her. She has a uh, she has a nose ring. Okay, so can I, I I'm gonna like strike up a conversation with the clerk and just say, I don't know if you've seen my friend around. She's about this tall, or I guess I don't know how tall she is, but I kind of describe her to the clerk, just kind of like casually asking about my friend. She like checked in recently, and I don't know if you've seen her around. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe you know we get a lot of people in here, um, but yeah, I think maybe she's she's been around. Um, I shouldn't really be telling you that though. Um, y- you can find her yourself. Oh no, I was apologies. I was just asking, just looking for my friend. Yeah, yeah, everybody's everybody's friends around here. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, so and he he kind of lists off the the price um for for one night. How many how many nights are you? Do you think you're gonna be staying? Or are you some of those travelers that like to fly by the seat of your pants and just stay as long as you feel like? Yeah, can we pay night by night? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can. You can absolutely do that. We <laughs> somehow he's become he's gone from being bored to just being like very over this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yes, he says that you can. He says that you can pay pay night by night. That's that's no problem. Um, and and you pay. Um, and he he hands you. Like an actual, an actual key um, to a to a private room. It's got kind of one of those like key ring with like a, a big thing on it, so you can't you can't just like it would be hard it would be harder to just like stick in your pocket and steal. And then he he like goes back to the to the novel that he was reading. So what do you what do you think uh, what do you think the, your plan the two of you is? I mean you, you know you can go up to your room or not, but but what do you want to do to try to kind of figure out what's are you gonna like just try to look for her, or are you just gonna scope the place out, or what? What do you think is your plan? Does he have a backup key to our room? Because we could just say like, "Oh yeah, our key's not working. Do you have the master we could use to get in, put our stuff down?" You know? Ooh, I like this. Yeah, let's let's have him come up to the room, and then, assuming he has the master key, we could just yeah, then take it from him using some sort of intimidation tactic. Just discreetly kill him. I I don't feel great about killing the innocent clerk, but he was pretty rude before. <laughs> I wonder if he would lend it to us and just be like, yeah, we'll bring it right back. Don't worry. Just murk some bored clerk. <laughs> Katie, Katie's sociopathic tendencies are already coming out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was rude Maybe to me before. we're not so different anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, so I think that you probably have to, like, you go upstairs with your own key. You have to, like, go in, like, put your stuff in there and wait, like, a reasonable amount of time before heading back down and saying that you somehow locked yourself out of the room. <laughs> right? Like, it, like you can't, you can't. We haven't like, left. You haven't left the desk yet. So, but you can do that. Um, and so, you, yeah, you, you head upstairs um, to kind of where where the rooms are. 
you know, there's there's a hallway that has some of the 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 rooms that that are shared rooms where where lots of people, you know, kind of just uh, rent out a bed. Um, but there's another couple of the hallways upstairs have the private rooms. And, you know, you think you get eyes on where um, where Olivia's room is um, from the room number that you saw. And you also see there's a guy there's a guy up there who just is kind of like seems like he's just kind of like looking around doesn't seem to be seems a little out of place but you do find your room and go in and and drop your stuff off um and you can decide you know you think you probably need to at least reasonably wait like 15 minutes or so before you go back down there and say that you uh that you locked your your keys in the room so you can kind of decide how you want to approach this that's that's fine with me. Do we think we can try like once we're up there, he comes with the master key and be like, "Oh yeah, while you're here, you know, the air conditioner broke. Why don't you come inside and check it out?" And then we could like tie him up or something. Yeah, you you can you can probably pull that off. <laughs> so is, so is is that the plan? Is that the plan to try to acquire this master key from this guy? What, what do you think, Teddy? I don't know. Well, I'm concerned that even if we were to have the master key, I'm concerned about this guy that's kind of lurking around. I don't know if we should might notice. do something about that first. Yeah, notices the clerk goes in, never comes out. <laughs> yeah. But w- may I ask, would you have let me know about the guy that you are seeing? That looking around up, up there? I think so. Okay. Because if if you did, then I would I I would like probably message back like, "Oh, third motorcycle." Like that's probably the guy from the Makes sense. And at this point Gavin's outside Gavin's outside the hotel, correct? Yeah, I'm trying to keep eyes on the two goons who are watching the door, and if I can, the guy that I spotted over in the cafe. Just looking for any kind of changes, anything if they make a move, anything like that, so that, you know, we're we're aware of what's going on out there. The three of you can kind of talk out how you want to approach this. Like, do you want to just kind of ignore that the guy's there and go down and execute your plan with the with the clerk and getting him up there, or do you want to try to deal with him first or, or you know, do some combination of those things? What do you think? I feel like getting the master key is not a bad idea. I'm wondering if, Fabio, you could use, like, your explosive abilities to create some sort of diversion, not some massive bomb, <laughs> but just some distraction that gets that third guy... I'm concerned that he's watching the room, so if we create some sort of distraction, get him kind of dealing with that situation, then we can... It, once we get the master key, assuming we're successful in getting the master key, we can head into the room. I don't know if Olivia's actually there or not, but maybe we can at least, like, someone just stake it out. Yeah, I like that. Could we just use the diversion to get the guy away from the desk, which he doesn't care about, seemingly, and then just swipe the master key there? <laughs> we could also do that. Unless he takes it with him. Do I have time to, like, cobble together, like, a really minor, like, a firework, basically? Yeah, absolutely, you do. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Would that be, like, a filch spend to steal the master key while... Yeah, yeah, I think it would be a, it would be a filch spend to, to steal the master key after doing an explosive devices um, check from Fabio to kind of make sure that you are able to pull off exactly what you're hoping to pull off. Okay. All right. So, do you want to spend any points in explosive devices? Um, is that is that actually what the skill's called? Yeah, and I have nine. Yeah. Do you want to spend anything to uh, to to add to this roll? I'll just spend one. All right. Go ahead and roll it. Six. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So that's a seven. Um, yeah. So you're able to kind of to to put something quickly together that makes a lot of noise sparks a little bit but really does very little damage and you uh you see the clerk um kind of start running up the stairs and the man who was who was upstairs kind of definitely moves toward the sound so why don't uh why don't you teddy make me a, a filter roll to to snatch the key from behind the desk so that nobody sees while this is all happening okay and i can spend points yeah, you can like spend can as many points as you want. Yeah. Okay. I will only have two, so I'll go two. I'll spend all. All right, go ahead. Five. Plus two. Yeah. All right, so that's a seven. So yeah, you you kind of like 
you take a look, quick look over your shoulder and make sure nobody's paying attention. They're all like distracted by this loud banging noise that was created upstairs. And you, you grab the master key and you rush upstairs. And actually, Fabio, why don't you give me a conceal roll to see if you can kind of do this and kind of remote detonate it um, so that it doesn't seem like you were the one that detonated it. Okay. I'll, uh, I have four, so I'll, I'll spend one. Okay. Why not? Oh, one. Is that the two? Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> so you, you, you make, you put, it, this loud bang goes off, and, and Teddy grabs the key and runs upstairs and, like, heads r- directly to Olivia's room and, like, goes in it. And, Fabio, you're kind of following behind but the the man who was upstairs takes notice of you as you kind of slip into the room. Um, so you get you you um, you get into the room, and you probably know that he saw you, Fabio. Uh, but you get into the room. It's small, cool, and dark. You know, as soon as you open the door, there's some light that streams in from the outside, and you see that there are like cockroaches that scuttle away into the shadows, um, like escaping the light. So it's it's a kind of you know, dark, dirty, dank place. But you know that this person is kind of, has seen you go into this room. So the two of you are now in there. Um, Olivia Mm. does not seem to be in there. What do you do? Not the outcome I was hoping for. No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Damn. I I guess I should probably leave the room. There's not much. Does does he know that she went in the room? No, he, he didn't see her go into the room. He just saw you go into the room. So maybe if I leave and take that attention with me, she could, like, poke around and look at stuff and investigate. Sure. And so you you kind of look through the peephole, and you see that he is... He's not standing right at the door. He's kind of, like, a little way off to the side, and he's, like, he has his hand... He has his, like, finger up to his ear, and he's, like, clearly talking into, into his kind of earpiece. And at this point, um, Gavin, you see that the two guys from outside kind of look at each other and and then like you know they they don't run but they kind of like swiftly move into the front in through the front door okay and out of curiosity the man at the cafe does is he responding in any way uh he's definitely talking um but he is he is not moving okay he's he remains seated at, at the cafe i would actually like to uh as stealthily as i can move my way around towards the cafe Absolutely. And I will also immediately, I should say, I will immediately text the two of you to say they're coming in. Why don't you make me a, let's go surveillance. I think you're, you know, this isn't quite infiltration. You're kind of just trying to watch without being watched. And so let's, let's say, let's say a surveillance check from you, uh, Gavin. Okay. I actually, and and I don't know if this will change anything at all. I am going to try to get kind of close to the guy in the at the cafe. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so it'll be a surveillance roll. I will spend... I'll go ahead and spend three out of it. <laughs> Good thing I did, because I rolled a one. <laughs> you start approaching the cafe, and you're inching closer and closer uh, to try to get... try to hear what this guy is saying. Mm-hmm. And you hear him say, have to get in there. We need to know if she's in there. And you like, you're straining a little bit just to like, to, to make sure that you're hearing everything that he's saying. And he sees you. How close am I to him when he sees me? You know, you're probably 10 feet away. And he's sitting at like, you know, kind of a, a table that is the, the, the side of the cafe that's facing the street is open. And so it's, it's inside under the roof, but. Okay. But there's nothing blocking him from the outside because that that whole side is kind of open to the air or open to the to the street. Okay. And he start he starts to kind of he starts to stand up as he sees you. Okay. I will say no, no. Take a seat, and I will literally throw a chair at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is amazing! I love that so much. Yes. But I do have to say, so th- so so even with that, there he's not surprised, and so we do still have okay. to um, do some sort of initiative. Okay. 
I think we I think we're gonna say that the chair is an improvised melee weapon. That, that sounds about right. <laughs> and so and so what is your what is your weapons uh, score? Three. All right, his is five. He is actually going to to get to act first, and you um you like start to move toward the chair, um mm-hmm. and to pick it up and throw it at him, and he like mm-hmm. he he pushes the table out from under him, kind of at your legs. Okay. And so he is uh he's gonna spend one point here in his weapons and roll. And that is a four, which I think um, hits your hits your hit threshold. It sure does. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're gonna take um, you're gonna take two points of um, damage as he like bruises your thighs with this table as he slams it into you. Uh, but okay. you now you now can act if you would like. Uh, I am gonna try to hit him with the chair. I can't waste a good line like that, so I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Either throw the chair or hit him over the head with it. So, which I assume is going to be a roll based on weapons. Yeah, that's going to be a weapons roll. You can choose how much you want to spend. Oh god, I'm I'm so bad at combat. Um, I have three in weapons. I will spend one on this, and I'm not going to roll the die that rolled so poorly last time. We're going to try a different one. Let's try this one. Okay. That's a one on a different die. So, <laughs> so you, uh, so you two. yeah, go ahead. You can, you can describe, you can describe your miss. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, I will say, uh, no, no, please take a seat. And I throw the chair at him and he just kind of like, probably like ducks a little bit behind the table and it just goes whistling past him. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so the the crowd in the cafe, you know, people start to stand up and start to freak out a little bit. You you know, you start to hear some yells. You heard, start to hear a few people shout in Arabic for the police. And he gets up around, uh, comes up around the table and just kind of winds up and tries to like like punch you right in the chin. Like he's really just trying to okay. give you like a, a, sw- a swift blow to the face. Okay. And so he's actually going to spend yeah three points in hand to hand here. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so that is uh, an eight total. Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, that, that surpasses my hit threshold, I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's going to do only one point of damage, and so you're able to kind of duck out of the way a little bit, and he he like catches you kind of more on the side of the head than actually in the mm-hmm. chin, and then he turns and like starts to start running away. Okay. How does I just so I'm clear? How does how is damage uh, work from in terms of is hand to hand always like one point of damage, or does it depend? Yeah, so 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 hand to hand is has a damage modifier of minus two, um, and so you'll roll a d6 and subtract two from that. I see. Okay, with a minimum of one, I assume. Yeah, with a minimum of one. Okay, I am going to try to hit him with hand to hand because I'm going to grab from behind if I can if I if he's within reach to grab and just slam his head forward against you know either a table or against the wall nearby wall sure all right so go ahead and um, spend what you'd like to and roll I only have one to spend out of hand and hand hand but I will spend it and uh, third times the charm with the dice let's <laughs> try this die <sighs> okay. All of my good rolls were on our pre-stream <laughs> te- test, <laughs> <Yeah>. test stream, <laughs> and test now rolls, I'm going to get all yeah. ones. Okay, that was a three, so that's a four total. All right, so that does surpass his hit threshold, and so go ahead and roll damage, so it's a d6 minus two. Okay. I rolled a two, so it's just going to be one damage. All right, so so you like... You know he's he you know he he has a little bit of a head start on you, so you like run after him and you try to like grab him and slam him up against a wall, but he like kind of brushes your hand off, but trips and like slams his knee into the ground for a second as he as he continues to run, and so yeah, so he he actually kind of like stops and turns back around and is gonna is gonna throw another punch at you to really try to kind of you know incapacitate you to the point that he can more easily get away. He doesn't really want to get, get into a, sure. into a chase with you. Yeah. So uh, he's actually going to spend another another full three points here, Jesus, um, to try to hit you, and that's a six. Uh, and so that yeah, that is mm-hmm. a hit. Yep, I'd say. 
and I rolled a four on the die for the this damage. Is going so well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's two two more points of damage as he does kind of connect with your with your chin, and you kind of your head snaps back a little bit. I'm hurting now. I am hurting. Okay. Okay. Now, is he trying to get away from me still, or has he fully turned to like try to incapacitate me? Yeah, he he looks like he wants to try to kind of beat you down to the point that he um, that he will be able to get away without kind of trying to outrun you. Okay, I uh, I'd like to pull out my uh, switchblade and um, just I, I mean I don't want I, I don't know that I necessarily want to kill this guy, but I am just I'm just going to take a stab at him because I can't allow him to just knock me out here. So I'm going to atta- attack him with switchblade. So as you pull out your switchblade, you hear a voice over your shoulder that says, "Hey, you two, put down that, put down those weapons." Um, and you look over your shoulder, and there are two Moroccan police officers who have just run around the corner. At that same time, Teddy and Fabio hear a knock on the hotel room door, and you hear a voice say, "You two need to let us in right now, or we're breaking down the door." And that is where we are going to end our story for right now. Woo! All right. <laughs> our, our stealthy, uh, stealthy attempts to, to infiltrate and survey really gone swimmingly. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought she was going to be in that room. So did I. I was hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast was created using Knight's Black Agents, written by Kenneth Height and published by Pelgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan called The Harker Intrusion. The podcast also uses material from The Dracula Dossier, written by Kenneth Height and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, and music from Dust and Mirrors, written by James Semple. All of these are used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGpodcast.com.